0: Just the other night I came home to find one of my mounts had fallen from the wall. Later that night my IR sensor came unglued from the same wall and fell off. At the time this happened no one was home and the AC heat was off. I built the house new and moved in about 5 months ago. The mount was one of the first thing I hung on the wall. It hangs on a half dry wall screw, which was still solid in the wood plank wall backed by 3 quarters plywood about 12 feet from the floor on and interior wall. The bracket on back of the mount was also good. A little creepy. We got to where the first thing we do when we get home is to see if the mount is still on the wall. Not sure if I believe in ghost, but I have several stories that make me believe there is something going on in the background. I have on several occasions had weird unexplained experiences in several different places. After a while makes you start questioning yourself. I was camping in upstate New York a week after two prisoners escaped. This was a high notoriety escape and was national news. My girlfriend and I had hiked and camped for two days before this. We were very comfortable, had met a lot of awesome people, but everyone was on alert of the Ascopies. We had settled in, in a remote area upstate New York with no one around that night. I was sound asleep that night. At 5.30 am I had started to awake, but stayed in my tent, not trying to awake, but to maybe go back to sleep for an hour or two. Not long after I was awake did I hear rustling in the woods around our campsite. At first it was a few rustles, which caught my attention, but not enough to be alarmed. Suddenly, the rustles are right outside our tent and I am on edge. Before I could even tap my girlfriend, all hell breaks loose. My tent is slashed open with a knife while I am watching. My heart almost went through my throat. Before I knew what was happening, I was being piled driven into the ground by men with guns. Thankfully I had noticed in the seconds that the men had police armor on. I started screaming out my name, my address, my social security number. Everything. My girlfriend was even jumped on and forcefully subdued while she was sleeping. Once everyone's adrenaline calmed down we showed our IDs and proved we were just camping. It was one of the scariest moments of my life and also for the police officers that subdued us turns out we were not far from where they were just spotted and the police hadn't come across anyone in days. They had thought for sure they had come upon the escapees camp. Two deputy sheriffs believe that they have seen a tall dark figure just outside the city limits of Oceanside, California. They both stated that they were viewing this creature standing on the other side of an eight-foot-tall chain-link fence. The officers state they saw it moving its head back and forth as if looking around at the area. This is when one of the deputies decides to go get his light for more illumination. When he returned, he says that whatever it was on the other side of the fence had moved off into some bushes out of sight range, leaving him with no idea of what he had just witnessed another sighting comes from two teenagers who were driving alongside beach boulevard in oceanside on the 14th they spotted what they thought was a bear on the side of the road but this soon proved to be incorrect one of the teens stated that he got out his light shined it at the thing only to find that there were no eyes this is when they both ran back to their car and took off in fear not wanting to see any more during november of 2012 There had also been numerous UFO sightings all across California. Could these so-called sightings be related somehow? People are always reporting strange lights over cities here in America. What makes these reports any different? What do you think about all these weird happenings taking place today? Is this some sort of warning or sign for humans? Or are people simply making these up because we're desperate for attention? They went on to mention that there were several people that had filed reports of tall dark figures in the area. They also stated that they were not sure if these incidents were connected, but it seems highly possible since they occurred on the same day. Now our final report comes from yet another deputy from Graham County, Arizona. He states that while he was on duty around 3 in the morning, he heard a very strange noise coming from outside this location. When he went to investigate what the sound could have been, he says there was a tall dark figure standing out there in front of him, near an old abandoned meat facility. What makes this sighting even more interesting is that this site was surrounded by open fields and little else. There is no way possible for somebody to hide out there. So what was this thing doing just standing there, staring at the deputy? When asked why he didn't do anything to apprehend it or even fire upon it, He said that he felt paralyzed with fear. He claims that his mind was telling him one thing, but his body would simply not listen. This is when he went back inside the building, calling for backup. When other deputies arrived on location, they could find no sign of any type of activity taking place. There were also no footprints found near the fence line or anywhere else throughout the dirt road leading up to where this creature had been seen standing. Imagine living in a world where you fear everything around you. You never know if something is lurking in the shadows or waiting for its next victim. Those are the people who have to live with this kind of anxiety all the time. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to live in a world where every dark corner could hold some unseen danger? What if there was something out there that was watching every move, hiding when needed, only to return once again when you least expect it? to strike without any warning. These are just some questions that many individuals could ask themselves whenever they hear stories about strange sightings taking place somewhere in or near their own city. Every day somebody else is coming forward, claiming that they have seen something out of this world or not quite human in appearance. Whether these claims are true or not is anybody's guess at this point. But what if one day, whatever is hiding in the shadows decides that we are not the ones who should be living on this planet anymore? That is a very deep and creepy thought to ponder about during one's downtime. Hopefully, these stories of strange encounters will just turn out to be lurking in the shadows and not actually be true. I was one of the naval officers fortunate enough to serve near Key West where our days were filled with maritime duties and the constant vigilance that comes with protecting our nation's waters. It was a day like any other, with the sun casting its golden rays upon the endless expanse of ocean before us. As our motor launch smoothly cut through the gentle waves, our attention was abruptly captured by a sight that defied all reason. Suspended above the water, gleaming in the sunlight, was a cigar-shaped object unlike anything we had ever encountered. It hovered there, a silent enigma against the backdrop of the vast blue horizon. The bewilderment that gripped our hearts was soon interrupted by the arrival of a fighter plane, seemingly materializing out of thin air. With a swift maneuver, it darted toward the unidentified object, causing it to retreat into the heavens, vanishing in mere seconds. The abrupt departure left us stunned, our minds racing to comprehend the inexplicable events that had just unfolded before our eyes. Our motor launch eventually returned to the safety of the dock, the weight of our encounter weighing heavily upon our minds. To our astonishment, as soon as we disembarked, we found ourselves surrounded by a group of men clad in dark suits. Their presence exuded an air of authority, their steely gazes leaving little room for doubt. They swiftly took control of the situation, subjecting us to an interrogation that felt more like an attempt to discredit us than to seek the truth. Hours passed, filled with probing questions and skeptical glances, as if our accounts were nothing more than figments of an overactive imagination. The men in dark suits seemed determined to cast doubt upon our credibility, painting our remarkable experience as a fabrication or a misinterpretation of natural phenomena. The weight of their skepticism grew heavier with each passing moment, their relentless pursuit of discrediting our claims becoming more apparent. We were left to wonder, why were they so eager to silence our voices? What was it about our encounter that threatened their carefully constructed narratives? The truth remained tantalizingly out of reach, hidden behind a veil of secrecy and doubt. Though we were released from their clutches, their questioning left an indelible mark upon our memories. We were left with more questions than answers, forever haunted by the enigma that had unfolded over the waters near Key West. In the years that followed, we shared our story with those willing to listen, knowing that the truth deserved to be heard. We refused to let our voices be silenced, determined to shed light on the extraordinary events that unfolded before our eyes. To this day, the memory of that hovering object and the subsequent interrogation lingers within us, a testament to the profound mysteries that lie just beyond the veil of what we consider to be reality. And though our credibility may have been questioned, our conviction remains unyielding, reminding us that some truths are meant to be known, regardless of the attempts to suppress them. A few years ago, I found myself sitting on the edge of a cornfield, shotgun in hand, early deer season. I wasn't there long before a group of doves walked right up to me. Since I was just there for meat and not picky, I picked one out, set my sights on her shoulder, and pulled the trigger. It was a solid hit, and she fell as fast as she ran. Only made it a dozen yards or so before collapsing in a twisted heap now the other four or five does that were with her ran in the same direction and stopped where she fell they all just stood there standing around her looking down at her for a minute and trying to make sense of it then the danger they were in dawned on them and they all took off i got up and walked over to the deer and sat down and stroked her fur i had this kind of overwhelming feeling that i had shattered some sort of primordial ancient balance I wasn't part of it all, I wasn't some predator stalking prey to survive, I was some guy who had come out to the woods to impose his will, and for no other reason that I just preferred the taste of meat. I wasn't starving, I felt like a bully, I had taken a gun and violently punched a hole in an animal clearly capable of thought and sentience, just because I felt like it. I sobbed as I got the deer and dragged her back to the truck. I took her home and she fed my family for a while. We made candles and soap from the fat and I donated the hide. But after that I was done. I realized then that even just going to the grocery store to buy a pound of burger was basically just the same, or even worse, since those animals never had a chance to live freely. So I decided that in good conscience I could no longer eat meat if I wasn't starving. I can easily sustain my life without it. And so I think I should do that. Suwon Air Base, 1989 There was an old ghost story about some security police Air Force MPS or some Republic of Korea Air Force MPS that were on duty near the end of runway when they freaked out because B-17s were landing at the base. Now, at the time, we'd all heard the ghost stories of the B-17s at RAF. Lakenheath. was it? I don't remember, all I remember was the story. Well, at the time, in order to complete a loop around the perimeter road, you had to cross the active runway, and there were ROKA FSPS that guarded it so that no traffic would cross without clearance from the tower. My friend and I would walk this road at night, sometimes just for something to do, get a little exercise, whatever. One night on one of such walks, we got this fog rolling in. Unlike any other fog I've ever seen, like visibility was about five feet. Usually it was somewhere around 50 feet, but they would make us walk the trucks home lower ranking airmen walking the white line with a flashlight, usually a Lackland laser in front of the truck. So the driver knew not to run off the road, drive into the other lane or run over said airman. But I digress. The fog was bad, and dead silence ensued. We had walked around to the entry control point where the Rokaf guys were stationed, and we shined our flashlights and presented our flight line clearance badges line badges to us, but we didn't expect them to let us pass because we would be walking on the active runway for a few hundred yards and besides. They never let us before, but we always tried anyway. Right in the middle of our plea to cross, we all heard planes, prop jobs, big ones, not turboprops like the sound of a C-123 or C-130, but very distinct, radial engines, and lots of them. Being that Air Force bases host a lot of air shows, you tend to be able to pick out certain engine types, and these were definitely not turboprops. I've only heard these engines on the old girls flying at air shows. Nothing should have been airborne in fog that thick. Even the mosquitoes were grounded that night. The two careens PS just looked at us, looked at each other, and then noped the F out. Left their shack, got into their truck, and drove off, leaving us standing there. We never saw anything, but we heard several large aircraft fly over the base in an approach pattern, but nothing ever touched down. Since we had not been told we couldn't cross, We went ahead and crossed the road and the active runway shortening our walk to about a half mile back to the barracks. My friend and I never spoke about it. These events have never kept me from going back into the woods. The Keweenaw Peninsula in Michigan. Myself and a friend have a decently remote camping spot not far from Lake Superior. We've been going up there for 12 years, usually twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. On two such trips, both in the fall, our campsite has been stalked by wolves. They come within 30 yards of camp, always at night. You never hear them howl, you can just hear them walking through the brush. We've caught glimpses of them using those high-lumen battery-powered LEDs. They do not run when yelled at, which is scary as shit. It's kinda freaky sitting by a small campfire and have wolves come check you out. We never shoot at them, but two shots from a 44 mag and they never come back. We've also had bears wander into camp while we are sleeping. Loud clumsy FS, not nearly as eerie or frightening. Yelling at them does the trick and they take off. In college, I spent one month house sitting a large hunting estate in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. The nearest town was 22 miles away. Woke up on the middle of the night to the sound of someone knocking loud and hard on the front door, and the dogs were going nuts. No way I was going to answer it. I just grabbed the gun and kept quiet upstairs. Next morning, there was a car in the driveway. The guy who owned the car was found dead several months later. I have no idea what happened. Edit, I feel kinda bad. I should have put some more info in there. It was late last night. Here is everything I know. It was June 1987. I know it was 87 because it was the baseball season after the Bill Buckner disaster. My girlfriend's parents owned the place. It was in southeast Idaho. I'm not going to say what town it was 22 miles from because they might still own it and I don't want this to get more weirder than it already is. It was a pretty big place with a lot of acreage. The guy who was the full-time caretaker for the place had just quit. My girlfriend's dad went out there to find a new caretaker, but the new caretaker couldn't start for one month. Her dad offered to pay me 1200 two hundred to go out there. Free food, satellite TV, one of those huge dishes from back then, and free booze. All I had to do was keep an eye on the place and feed the dogs and the horse. I had never been out west so I took him up it. It sounded better than doing landscaping. I spent the time reading and exploring, playing with the dogs, riding the horse, shooting. Completely uneventful experience until that night. That night, after the knocking stopped and dogs stopped barking, I eventually went back to sleep. I didn't freak out all that much because there were two German Shepherds inside with me and I had a gun, I kept it on the nightstand. I had been drinking a little but not drunk by any means. There were several neighbors that were a few miles away, I was kind of thinking someone just simply drove up the wrong driveway. Next morning at crack of dawn, I opened the front door to let the dogs out and see a white Chevy Nova sitting in the driveway, it was near the small cabin for the caretaker. The cabin was about 100 yards from the main house. I called my girlfriend's dad and asked him if he knew anyone with that make or model car and told him about what had happened the night before. He didn't know anyone and he called the police directly. Police show up, ask me a few questions and walk around the property for about an hour or so. The car was locked, the police had it towed. I have no idea if it was broke down or not. There was only one set of tire tracks coming into the house a few days later my girlfriend's dad called me up to say the guy who owned that car was missing and to call the police if anything weird happened again i have no idea who the guy was at all don't know how long he was missing or when he was reported missing or who reported him missing he was just missing girlfriend's dad didn't know that much after one month i go back home Girlfriend and I break up shortly thereafter. I see her out on the town several months later, and I ask her if she ever found out what happened to that guy. All she knows is the guy was found dead by S 30 miles away. The S happened several months after that incident at the house, and he was found a couple of days after he had killed himself. I asked her how he did it, where he was he found, who found him, etc., and I got nothing. I never saw her again. You all now know just as much as I know, I feel your pain. I was stationed in Anbar Province, Iraq, tasked with watching over a bridge that spanned some railroad tracks. It was October 31st, and a freak electrical storm suddenly rolled in, casting an eerie atmosphere over the area. As the storm intensified, I couldn't help but notice that the antennas on my Uparmered vehicle began to flicker and emit an otherworldly glow, resembling those glass electricity balls I used to play with as a kid. It was an unsettling sight, to say the least. What made the situation even spookier was the fact that my second truck was positioned about one kilometer away, keeping a watchful eye on another section of the road. With the storm raging and the night being Halloween night, we felt isolated and alone in the darkness. To ease our apprehension, I made the decision to flip the truck around so that my turret faced the bridge. This way, both the driver and I could maintain a watchful gaze on our surroundings, ensuring our safety. As the hours wore on, the storm continued to unleash its fury upon us. The rain fell in torrents, drumming relentlessly on the vehicle's metal exterior. The occasional thunderclaps rattled our nerves, accentuating the already tense atmosphere. It was a night like no other, filled with an uncanny sense of being watched. Despite the swirling fears and unease that had settled upon us, the night passed without any notable incidents. By the time morning finally arrived, we breathed a collective sigh of relief, eager to leave the bridge behind and put the unsettling experience behind us. Nothing out of the ordinary had occurred, yet the memory of that night would forever remain etched in our minds. Looking back, it was a surreal and bizarre encounter, a Halloween night like no other. Whether it was a mere trick of the storm or something more supernatural, I couldn't say for certain. So this is a story comes from a very, very close family friend of my grandpa. His name is Neil, he's the kind of person that wouldn't lie about something like this, and I honestly believe his story. This story was told while I was on a hunting trip with my grandpa, father, a few of my uncles, Neil, and one or two other people. I don't know exactly how the conversation led to talking about strange and unknown things seen in the wild, but here we were. This was a few years ago, so forgive me if I've forgotten some details neil's story a few years back he described it to be about early 90s myself and one of my friends had gotten permission to go and hunt jack rabbits on another one of my friends property out in a very remote part of western id i can't remember exactly where but they had come an hour or two from the wiser area in id the property was out in the middle of the desert quite far from any small town or city we entered on the north side of the property over a cattle guard and through a gate. The property was kinda in a valley and was divided into a very large flatter plain mostly on one half, and then on the other was a very large hill that spanned the length of the private land and had an elevation of probably 200 to 300 feet give or take. That night we had been working the flatter part of the land with the spotlight on my truck and flashlights in hand shooting the rabbits. It was a clear night and the moon was probably three four ths full so it was relatively easy to see some elements of the property by the moonlight we started a little after dusk and by this time it was about midnight and were about two three yards down the length of the property when we heard this unhuman blood curdling scream come from the eastern side where the hill ran i looked at my friend and we both froze We were at the truck using the spotlight looking for rabbits when it happened. We were probably 200 to 300 yards from base of the hill so the top of the hill was probably another 100 yards or so from the base to the top. As I started to scan the hillside with my scope, the creature had screamed again. I then followed the sound and saw a tall lanky humanoid figure standing with the upper half of its body silhouetted against the sky at the top of the hill. I had fired a shot toward it from my point 22, knowing it wouldn't make it to the creature. But I wanted to try and get it to move up and over the hill so I could get a better look at it. But instead then this thing started to move down the hill toward us. Right after that happened we booked it the the closest side of the property, found a gate and shot the lock off and drove away from there as fast as we could. To this day I still don't know what I saw, but it scared the shit out of me. So there's Neil's story to the best of my recollection. I would love to hear what y'all think, Skinwalker, Windigo, let me know. In high school, my friend and I, both 17 male, we'll call him Jay Frequented Trails to go for smoke walks. On this fall afternoon, we went to a familiar trail in a moderately wooded area. One blunt into our walk, and an odd man comes on our path. He startled us. He was middle-aged and plainly dressed, but I think he had some condition. He looked like a stocky Ethan hawk with crazy eyes, and he spoke to us like a child. The childish man was rambling about hide and go seek, frantically asking, have you seen two kids? Jay and I were both puzzled. We took obvious note of the creepy man in the woods asking about kids but we didn't know what to do or say. We ignored him and continued on the trail to spark another. On our way back to the trail access, we see the childish man on the path, yet now with the tall, slim man. Jay urged me to get us out of there. Jay was already non-confrontational, and we both felt an eerie tension. Yet the whole thing was fishy, and I didn't want to regret doing nothing if some kids were at risk. I asked, Why the hell is your friend asking about some kids? They both give the same weird hide and go seek with two kids. The tall man claimed to be the father. He was more with it than his childish companion. He kept questioning my concern for his kids. The tall man was getting angry, fearing on threatening. I had a bad gut feeling, but decided to leave this whole weird encounter behind. Yet, on our way out of the woods, we see a boy and a girl stand up from a wheat field. They just rose up like a poem. I observed to see if they needed help, yet they were cheerfully waving at us. I held a thumbs up and they signaled back. I got in the car with Jay, we got the hell out of there. Was it just a good father and uncle playing innocent games with their two kids? Was I being nosy and blowing things out of proportion? To this day, I bear an uneasy guilt anxiety for those kids. I never thought to write about this story. Jay and I still reminisce on it. I'll never forget the moment we first came upon the childish man. Edit. I just want to clarify that this was almost definitely a harmless case. However, at the time it was so fishy that I was positive we were being filmed in a special Woodland episode of What Would You Do? That said... I was also aware at the time that the first man more than likely had a disability of some kind. His appearance at first was truly startling, and the comportment of the tall man definitely raised my suspicions. I had one of the most terrifying experiences of my life as a police officer in Beaver Township, Ohio. It was the early morning hours of October 25th. 2018 around 5 3 a.m. I was on patrol with three other officers from the Beaver Police Department, driving down a desolate road called Davis Road. As we were driving, something caught our attention near the edge of the road, so we decided to pull over and investigate. Out of nowhere, a massive figure resembling a man appeared before us. It stood about 7 feet tall and was so close to our car that we could have reached out and touched it. The sight was chilling. Its face was elongated and bony, with huge fangs protruding from its mouth. Its eyes were dark, reminiscent of a shark's gaze. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. Before this encounter, we had noticed movement along one of the roads within our line of sight, but we weren't sure what it was. Our curiosity got the better of us, and we decided to follow it. As we reached the spot where it had been seen, all four of us witnessed the creature in full view. It was unbelievably close, and we felt as though it could pounce on us at any moment. One of my fellow officers said, It was like nothing I've ever seen before, and the rest of us agreed. The creature defied any explanation. I immediately knew it wasn't a bear or any known creature. It took only seconds for our eyes to adjust and we could clearly see the details of this extraordinary being. Strangely, it seemed to emit its own light source, making it easily visible. The whole experience was surreal and unnerving. We watched as the creature disappeared into the nearby bushes. Two of us left our posts to join the other two, forming a group to investigate further. However, our search yielded no additional sightings. All we found was a large hoof mark in the area and some broken bones among other things. We discussed our encounter and the lack of evidence. It was frustrating because we knew what we had seen, but we also knew that finding proof would be nearly impossible. We were convinced that if this incident made it to the news, it would be quickly retracted or dismissed. It's encounters like these that make us realize how strange and inexplicable our world can be we are reminded that there are mysterious phenomena and creatures out there lurking in the shadows. Even though we may never find concrete evidence, we share our experiences to shed light on the unknown and to let others know that sometimes the truth lies beyond what we can comprehend.